Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Imperfect Podcast. I'm Kathy. And I'm Kennedy. Join us on this week's episode as we discuss intriguing topics and people of interest that will inspire us to explore all of the unique pieces of ourselves. We are all imperfectly perfect. We're We're glad glad you're here. here. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Imperfect Podcast. We have the privilege to be speaking to Noah today, who I had the opportunity to meet several years ago at a youth conference from high school. Noah is a husband, father of four young boys, and has a fur baby, their dog, named Winnie. Although Noah was born in Northern Ontario, he grew up here uh, not far from us in St. Martin's, New Brunswick. And he eventually made his way down to the Moncton area, and he currently serves as a pastor of a budding church plant in the area and works as a Christian life coach on the side. Additionally, he is the host of the In Rest podcast, a podcast all about how to live your best in Christ, and is in the process of writing a book all about joy. We did want to give a bit of a warning. Uh, to those listening, we had a really in-depth and honest conversation with Noah about some topics that might be triggering to some in regards to mental health. And our episode today ended up being a longie, but it's a goodie, and we hope you enjoy. Hi, Noah. How are you? Hey, Kennedy. <laughs> hey, it's really. Hey, I'm doing well. I'm doing great. <laughs> it's good. It's been a really long time since we've chatted. I don't know, like yeah, ten mm-hmm. years, maybe. Oh, shoot. In person, that is. I think I was in the 12th grade last time I saw you, which was quite a long time. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah. yeah. So Wild. that's crazy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're very busy Um. for taking the time to chat with mom and I today just about what you're doing and who Noah is and all that fun stuff. So why don't you start off by just telling us what's your story? Who's Noah? What do you like to do in your spare time? Things like that. Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, my name's Noah James Weeb. I am a uh, Christian. I'm a pastor. I'm a husband to my wife, Brittany, father of four boys, um, three of whom are adopted. So uh, in 2021, we adopted three boys at the same time. So that was cool. Wow. Um, Yeah. So that's Levi's my biological son, who is four. Uh, Judah, who we had changed his name from Axel to Judah, uh, he is four. And my son, Jack, who turned four yesterday. And and then uh, my youngest son, Luca, who is going to be turning two very soon. So yeah, have a lot going on in my life. No kidding. So that's a little bit about, about me. I'm also, I'm technically the pastor of a budding church plant in Moncton area. I am the host of the In Rest podcast, podcast all about living your best in Christ. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Stuff I do in my spare time. I mean, what do I not do in my <laughs> Uh, what is the word spare? That is that right? when I do have spare time, I, uh, I, I enjoy spending time with my family, obviously, but I also enjoy, um, I enjoy walking. I enjoy photography, podcasting, obviously, and, um, a number of other different hobbies that keep my, keep my attention. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, no. And just for some background, um, I met Noah at a, youth conference, I guess you could call it. Um, I don't know if we met at the initial one and then we were both asked to be leaders the next year yeah, or how I that worked. It was a leader one that we had actually met. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, we connected on Facebook and it was super strange because I noticed that you had what reconnected us was, I mean, you see people's posts on Facebook and whatnot, but I saw you had posted something about Salisbury and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, this doesn't make sense because you're originally from where St. Martin's. Yeah. So I grew up most of my life in St. Martin's and, you know, spent a lot of time in the St. John area. So right. Salisbury was not uh, an expected turn at all. <laughs> right. And so when you posted that, I was like, what the heck? So I messaged you right away. I was like, so I was thinking about messaging you and saying hi, but 
super strange how life works that way. And I even told mom at the time, I was like, this guy right here in this picture, like, yeah, he went here and now we're in Salisbury. And how did that happen? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think you had him on your list even before you realized he was back here. Well, yeah, I did. Ironically, because I oh, saw sweet. the cool stuff you were doing. So it's so funny. <laughs> that I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I was super stoked to see you guys um, just to kind of brag on y'all. Cause like, I'll be like, I know Kennedy, she's for the imperfect podcast. It's so awesome. <laughs> like uh, I've, I noticed you guys, you know, on the Salisbury page or whatever, and on the different social media platforms and seeing how consistent you guys have been, how many episodes you already have out the interviews that you're landing. Like, I'm just super excited for you guys, this Thank journey. You is so so cool to see from afar and yeah. to, like and someone who knew you I'm like oh man this is so cool you know so does it, you know, does, it look, does it look okay from afar really like, <laughs> oh, on yeah, this looks side great. if I was to turn the camera around like you would see disaster everywhere <laughs> Kennedy shows up once a week and we're like okay take this off the wall and put this over here and put the curtain over a little bit more so you can't see what's over there and then the cat walks by with her tail you know it's yep, just classic wait no, when you're in it awesome. yeah when you're in it you well I know for myself and Kennedy we just think like man like <laughs> it, it's not you know it might look good on screen but does it look good on screen so that's very encouraging because we see all the background stuff happening yeah. too right so I hope you are encouraged because the, what you're doing is really a labor of love and you know it might be just be something you guys are doing on the side right now or whatever but um I hope it gets so overwhelmingly successful that you have to like quit your job to do it because this is such an awesome wouldn't that be nice eh (laughs) yeah it would be super dope but like honestly you guys are such so so cool um the way that things kind of went like so 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 your story has been really cool some of the ways that my story has progressed to getting to you know getting to the Moncton area Mm. has been um yeah it's actually been pretty wild so I was I was born in Ontario, moved to New Brunswick when I was eight years old. Uh, when I turned eight, for whatever reason, something shifted in me. There's a few factors that I could probably feature in this story, but I was like, eh, you know, that probably <laughs> won't. That, that, yeah. Anyway, so um, I first, like, I, like I'm a Christian. So obviously, like, I, I follow Jesus. It's very, really core to my identity, who I am. And, um, one of the things that happened just before I turned eight was this like move toward really identifying as a Christian saying, you know what, Jesus come into my life. I receive you. So just before I turned eight, that was kind of my thing. Now, of course I'm a kid. So do I really get it? No, I don't. But you know, I do enough to say, I want to have a relationship with this God who created the universe. Hmm. So, um, had that, but then when I was eight, I had gone through all of this, like really weird, confusing, difficult, you know, complex, traumatic experiences in which I thought, you know, like it was, it was just sort of, yeah, it was just, it was complicated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when, when I've moved, now that I've moved to New Brunswick, I'm, you know, starting to get life here. I've left behind all my friends in Ontario, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm struggling with this crippling depression. Um, So I'm struggling with depression. I'm eight. I don't get it. I don't understand by the time I'm nine years old. um, You know, for those of you since for this is a sensitive topic, like I identify with you, but by the time I was nine, I was already, I'd already told my mom I wanted to commit suicide. Um, And uh, I like had a plan to do it and all that. So that was a conversation that it was a conversation that was helpful to have, like the, the be able to get that out in the open and share with somebody that I trusted. Mm-hmm. So anyway, years go by, I'm struggling with depression. I get to the age of 14. I start reading the Bible every day, which was not something I'd already started doing. So now I'm reading the Bible for myself. I'm just really being challenged by the fact that I'm not, um, I'm not as great a guy as I thought I was at the time. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm not living up to the standard of love. I'm not being loving. I'm not being kind to the people that are in my life. So a couple of years go by and I'm really now at this point, I'm really committed to committed to this, you know, relationship with God. Allegedly, I then um, this, keep in mind, this is how deplorable I am as a person at this point. <laughs> so I, I remember really having this this pull toward uh, romantic relationships and connections to fill a void inside myself, in which I didn't feel I was loved. Right. So I was struggling with a sense of insecurity and inadequacy, while at the same time, striving and working really hard to project that I was perfect on the outside. Mm. 
right. so as to communicate that I'm okay and that nobody needs to deal with me. Just leave me alone. Uh, at one point when I was 14, my girlfriend at the time had, you know, kind of forced me to go to my guidance counselor, you know, the bad guidance counselor, you know, sometimes right. you go to, you know, there's a good one and then there's the bad one. And you're like, oh, dang it. I went to the bad one. Now I'm traumatized. <laughs> but um, that like that experience of of being forced to go to guidance counseling kind of brought out this way that I projected an image of being fine. So my guidance counselor is having a conversation with me. So I hear you're suicidal. You're depressed. Tell me about it. And I'm like, well, uh, yeah, sure. I'm struggling, but I'd never do this because of blank, blank, blank. And she was like, okay, well, works for me. <laughs> Bye-bye. And mm-hmm. that, you know, and it's not that she was trying to diminish. It wasn't that she didn't did anything wrong necessarily, but that there was a sense of like, clearly I'm struggling, but I'm able to, to lie my way out right? to project my way out and to, you right. know, so I wanted to keep everybody thinking that I was perfect. Um, and I wish that I could tell you that habit is completely gone. <laughs> it's totally not. I'd still do that sometimes. Mm. Um, and it's still sometimes this thing, this thing that God challenges in me, that friends challenge in me. Um, but life goes on. I'm 16 years old. I'm using these romantic relationships to fill in this internal void within me while projecting that I'm finally outside. I lied to this girl to start dating, to start dating her. Um, it was a really weird, complex situation. That I won't get into too much, but basically it was this, it was all built on fraud. You know, it was, <laughs> it was all bad. Right. Um, but then I really, I, I genuinely fell in love with her. Um, but it was a very toxic, emotionally abusive relationship. Um, and I would even say maybe on both ends, like at some point I just, like I gave into that kind of, those kind of behaviors. She had, she had already kind of been indoctrinated into that herself. She had her own baggage to deal with. So it was just rough. You know, it was, it was, I ended up leaving behind my relationships with all of my family members, all my friends, my relationship with God, all of that. And, um, I just didn't, I, I, I literally thought my life was over. It was the closest I'd ever come to like committing suicide. I was 16, of course. So it was a little bit melodramatic. Um, but like my situation was, I really don't believe I have a, a reason to exist. Yeah. Uh, every, everything that has grounded me, everything that has provided me any semblance of having peace has been stripped away from me. And even the presence of God in me, I feel, he, I feel that I have withdrawn myself so far from him that it's like, I, I don't know if I can reach him again. Mm-hmm. So there is all of this struggle, but um, I was, just, it was just, there's a lot of things happening in that season where I, I was able to, you know, like we ended the relationship and then we got back together. But in that season of going back and forth and losing my, my, my life with God and losing my family members and losing my friends, like there is this process where I started reading the Bible again. And I was like, God, like, I really want to get this sense of like what you want to do with my life, because I don't know how this mm-hmm. is going to work out because I've seen people have their lives completely flipped upside down because of a romantic connection they had in high school, because I was seeing it all the time, you know, and I'm sure Kennedy, maybe you could identify with that. I mean, I think you went Absolutely. to high school there in Salisbury. <laughs> so, I mean, like, whoa, you know, you can see people's lives ruined early on, you know, it's not yeah. that hard to do. Um, life's pretty fragile. So I was like, but maybe I've done it myself. So I say, like, God, just save me. I don't know what to do. Um, and I started going to counseling, went to the good guidance counselor. Uh, that was a good, that was a good step. But <laughs> the point, like I started, so I got, started going to counseling, started to take my health seriously, started to read my Bible again, started spending time with friends and family and just kind of got this mentality that God was really interested in seeing my life restored. Mm. Um, not perfected, but restored. He wanted me to be in relationship with him. He wanted me to be renewed in purpose and enjoy. Um, and that she, my girlfriend ended up texting me one night and said, Hey, let's just end it and make it mutual and we'll be fine. And I'm like, you know what, this is good. This could not have been Um, but I just felt, I felt redeemed. I felt rescued and I just thought, well, Hey, God can rescue all of this. And all my family members relation, all these relationships that have burned all of these things that I've let go and destroyed, like God's given them back to me. Like, whoa, if he can save all of my life, then he ought to have all of my life. And I committed my life to him that year. And I got baptized and it was this really cool season in my life where I also started to discern that God was really calling me to be a minister, to be a pastor, which to most, and even to myself, which is kind of a surprise because my initial plan was to be a pediatrician, you know, I was going to make a bank, helping kids. That was really <laughs> dope. But no, uh, <laughs> that was a, it was actually a relief to have this sense of clarity about my purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was really just a next step. It was just like this long range goal that I knew that God was calling me to that, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't everything that was going to be part of my story. Like I couldn't have imagined mm-hmm. 
what my life is now <laughs> back right. when, I was, when I was that. Anyway, um, so in, long story short from there, I ended up going to Kingswood University uh, in Sussex, New Brunswick, um, became, a, became a youth pastor. And I had already served in ministry for about almost five years. And then um, when like sometime at the end of that season, uh, there's a lot more that's, that maybe I'll get into about about that that other juncture of my life. But basically, um, I had graduated from university. My wife and I had our first son, Levi. That was perfect. He was perfect. I mean, he was as perfect as a baby can be. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but my wife ended up suffering from an infection as a result of the C-section used to give him life, <laughs> deliver him. And it was a journey from there of wondering whether or not my wife was actually going to survive. Um, yeah. So it was, that's wild. And I would love to get into that a little bit more if you're interested, but long story short, she ended up having to have an emergency surgery and then a number of follow-up follow surgeries just to save her life. Um, and uh, she's alive today, spoiler alert, <laughs> not a single dad, <laughs> um, you know, uh, but as that journey can like I, that journey also of complex grief and right. trauma and what the heck just happened to us, like all of that confusion and all the burden that it ended up placing on both of us as a result in a year of recovery was crazy. So after that year of just the beginning of that, that, that healing process, um, I just felt like God was taking us back to New Brunswick to a support system to, you know, like to heal, but also to actually kind of go to that next level of development as a leader and as a, as a pastor, as a man. So anyway, taking that step and as a family, really. So taking that step back to Salisbury was kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm familiar with this, with this place. Um, and I know this is kind of the next logical step for my development as a leader. Uh, let's do it. So that's how I ended up in Salisbury. And then since then I've, uh, moved on from that chapter and we're here in the Moncton area, but, yeah. Anyway, it was wild. So that was, that's like super condensed. Yeah. But <laughs> wow, though, yeah. I was just thinking while you were telling us all that and thank you for telling oh, yeah, us for all sure. of that. Mm. Totally transparent with everything. Really appreciate that. Um, It's super fair to say that we never know what people are going through. And you even admittedly said like you put on a front to make sure that people knew you were okay, but you were not okay. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to place myself and where I had met you in your life. And what attracted me to you when we first met was that you were the one that was like, hey guys, let's go. And you were doing all this and you just, you had so much energy and so much love and life in you, but nobody would have known what you were going through. Oh, totally. Yeah. So it's totally fair to say that we don't know. And I'm I'm so glad to hear that you're doing well now. And it's just, it's crazy for me to imagine what you were going through at that time and how conflicting that must have been internally, just because I didn't see it. And I mean, I didn't know you on a personal level, but you put on a good friend, right? So yeah. Um, thank you. But like the, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely. And I think part of the, part of the front thing too, is that like, there's, there is something real about what you project to people like, mm -hmm. but then sometimes it is completely fake and it's just something that you've developed as a trauma response or something else. For me, when you and I had met, it was at a season where I had probably some of the most, some of the most clarity and joy but also the sense of dissatisfaction and like waiting for clarity, waiting for like, and I was going through a season at that time of like, okay, what do I do now? Like, you know, mm -hmm. I have this sense of purpose. I have this, you know, the, the, all this stuff. And I was, I'm still struggling with mistakes behind the scenes. I'm still, I still have stuff that I'm wrestling through things that I haven't told anyone yet. So I'm holding on all, holding on to all that. And yet at the same time, ironically, I'm at this stage where I'm at the healthiest that I've ever been physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And so something else to speak to that too, is like, sometimes people, you have no idea what people are going through. And mm -hmm. yet it's like, people can still be at their best they've ever been and be functioning at their best and still be hurting, like Definitely. still wow. be broken. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was mic drop moment right there. That's <laughs> yeah. so true. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you so much for your honesty. I mean, as a Christian myself, I can remember, you know, those early years and having thoughts that, you know, you just kind of think, well, am I the only one, right? Mm -hmm. I've struggled with, 
anxiety and depression and things like that. And especially when, when you call yourself a Christian, there's sort of this unwritten thought pattern that you're supposed to be kind of not worried about those sorts of things. And, you know, and I see it across the board, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you know, the same things strike people, whether you're going to church every week, whether you've accepted Jesus, whether you've never heard of him. And I just remember there was like, shame and guilt that came even just with that like and this secret cloak of you know no not me I'm not depressed or I've never thought those things or because nobody talks about it right so kudos to you for for being so honest and upfront yeah and that's the the thing too is we have everyone has the same emotions everyone experiences these emotions that we've labeled with different titles but we just live life differently and experience them in all very different ways all at the same time and yeah. it, it makes it it makes it so much work like like not work yes work <laughs> to try to <laughs> pretend to be who you aren't but like even stuff like OCD like you know lots of people struggle with that but you yeah. you can come out and tell people or they, you know, kind of shun you because everyone else, not everyone else, but many people are still in the let's pretend we don't have the feelings that we have. I mean, even after I had Kennedy, the guilt because I had postpartum depression, something awful. But you can't say that because then somebody's going to make a call and everyone's going to talk and you know, it's just these, these stupid, ridiculous games we play when if I only would have felt, I mean, that's lack of self-confidence too, because you're trying to be the perfect new mom, right? And right. meanwhile, your life is your puddle of tears and baby poop and breast milk <laughs> for a long time. And but you can't say that to your 20 something friends that are like all walking with their strollers because they're pretending to for the most part. Yeah. So yeah. And there's this real disruption that comes that it, that it comes from someone who's honest that's like, ooh, didn't do like shut up. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kennedy, you were going to say something? No, I, I was just going to reiterate what mom was saying, that it, it's so true that everyone does put on this. And we've talked about it in other episodes that everybody's putting on a mask and everyone's feeling different stuff. But who's the one that's going to take off the mask? And then everyone goes, oh, my gosh, me too. <laughs> I feel the exact same well, way. So not not everyone, because there's no. all those people that feel need to take that opportunity to get a step up on you right that is well some yeah. people are not very nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna put you on the spot noah um, okay. i'm gonna ask you when you had your son and your wife had that horrible infection did that cause you to have a struggle in your faith uh wow really good question that's a great question i'm glad you asked that so uh okay when my wife had first gotten like uh, it wasn't as cut and dry as a diagnosis or something like it was like just to give you the rundown of what was going on and then but from the perspective of like me and enduring this you know so from the get-go there was a sense that something was amiss we didn't know what so we had the baby and she had to have a c-section and it was fine Everything went relatively normal. Like everything went the way that you would anticipate it should go. Mm-hmm. When it came to the point of us having to travel at one point. So we had to have the baby and then we had to travel, which technically they're like, you know, don't do that. But there was also the sense of we had this appointment with the doctor as a follow-up and saying, hey, are we good to travel? If, if you're advising us not to, we just won't do it. We'll just chill at all. Uh, we wanted to go to my brother's wedding and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we go to this family affair. We go to the wet, we go to the, the my brother's wedding in, in Fredericton. Um, so we we had tra- traveled from South Shore, Nova Scotia, like Yarmouth area. Okay. So um, we get to the wedding. It's like 30 degrees outside. Okay. It's just, it's toasty. And mm-hmm. my wife is sweating. She's like ooh, looking uncomfortable. She's green. So we're like, yeah, we're going to go. <laughs> so we leave a little bit early and we go to my parents' house in St. Martin's area. It's pretty temperate there. It's fine. So uh 
we go, we end up going to the doctor because she's still feeling really sick. So we go to an ER, we come back. They're just saying, they're just prescribing us basic antibiotics, you know, so that she's not getting anything crazy. They say to come back after she gets a fever. She gets a fever. We go back. It's Tuesday night at this point. Um, and my devotions that day, by the way, I was reading Job. And if you guys, have, and for those of you who haven't read the Bible, those of you who are listening, who haven't read the Bible before, Job is that book that's like, that's basically about those, that time in your life when everything sucks <laughs> and you're just depressed and your friends don't get it. And nobody's understanding you and you feel like it's not fair. Right. <laughs> yeah. Me and, and Job are like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Job is the kind of book you read when you get depressed or when you bow to be depressed. <laughs> so mm. I read Job one to four, which I'm like, this is a, this is not good. I shouldn't read this today. I, maybe <laughs> I should read something cheerier anyway. So um, it's just, it becomes a nightmare in very, in a very short period of time where my wife is going through um, three times a day, they're removing, uh, they're removing this gauze from her incision wound and stuff. And I won't get too gory for those of you who are not interested in listening to that kind of stuff. It does get pretty intense. Um, but she went, she just went through torture, basically screaming, literally screaming over and over and over again. And there's literally nothing I can do, right? Like I'm her husband. I want to fix it. Cause I'm a dude, you know, um, she's losing the ability to nurse our baby. He's done really, really well, right. With nursing at this point. And for those of you who have, who have kids, you know, how important that is and how much, how much it might matter to you as well. Right. Like you want to give your baby the best. And if nursing is the way that you thought that was going to happen, then you're like really sad about the right. loss of that, right. right. That potential, um, there's good in the midst of that, but there's a loss there, right? Cause I want to give my son the best. My wife wants to give my son the best. She's not able to do it anymore. She's now becoming very frustrated. She's now becoming very, she's getting that sense of, of being down of depression. You know, she's got the postpartum thing as a, as a risk factor anyway. Um, now they're giving her fentanyl and dilated and all these really hardcore painkillers right. because, and by the way, she's still going through the medical procedures and screaming through them with the hard, hardest, hardest core, um, wow. stuff that they can give. So I, and she's already got a high pain tolerance to begin with. So here I am watching the, the woman, the woman I love, um, enduring all of this stuff. Stuff. Meanwhile, I'm taking care of the baby. I'm giving him formula. I'm, I'm up with him all night long, every night for days uh, until Brittany's mom, who lives like six minutes away from the hospital, she ended up having to take the baby, which is another loss because I'm like, now this bonding time is right. gone, right? Like he can't even be here. Like it's not even safe for him to be here. I can't take care of him anymore. I have to be here with Brittany to make sure that if something has to happen, I'm here to make the decision. So, um, so in the midst of all this stuff, obviously I'm processing like, what is happening? <laughs> you know? Right. So my, so my question was in that moment, okay, God, there are two ways to deal with this, or maybe there's lots. I don't know. How do you want me to deal with this? Like, I don't know where this is going to go. I felt like frog in the kettle kind of thing, you know, um, mm -hmm. where you don't realize how bad or severe mm -hmm. it is. Um, I'm shaking, just talking about it, but like in that moment, where I knew this was about to get real. I'm like, okay, <laughs> um, how do you want me to deal with this Lord? And I, at that moment, I was like, I'm not going to crumble right now. Like there are just this sense of grace that God gave me to be like, I am going to hundred percent trust you through this. And you're going to give me the will to fight through whatever has to happen. And also really believing that this is something my wife is going through more than it is something that I'm going through, right? right? Like I'm being present for her. Like I'm here for her, you know, but like, there is this moment of like, okay, God, how do you want me to deal with this? And then seeing him just help me through everything, every single part, every moment. And, uh, I really believed that, my, that I, in that moment, I never believed stronger that God could do anything he wanted to do and that he was faithful and like my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they had dealt with people like my, my mother-in-law worked at a different hospital. My father-in-law had worked with like wheelchair technician company. So they knew what a, the look of death looked like. Like they mm. have seen this process play out before they've, right. they've seen people go through this kind of thing, older people, sure, mostly, but they've seen it. And they're looking at this from this angle of like, my daughter is dying in front of me. And there's mm -hmm. nothing I can do to save her. Right. And I'm like, my wife might die in front of me, 
But even if she does, I can believe that God will do something to bring her back. Like he'll raise, he'll raise her from the dead kind of thing. At the same time, I was also thinking, but even if he doesn't do that, I will still trust him. Mm. And uh, then there was this moment. So this is fast forwarding through a lot of stuff, but like it's surgery day now. It's July 2nd, 2018. Um, I just woke up from this nightmare of like being overwhelmed and I can't save her basically. Anyway, I wake up and there's like seven different doctors that are going to come in one by one to give us the recommendation of what to do. Um, a doctor comes in and says, listen, we need to give her surgery right now. Like we need to do surgery stat or she's going to die. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> like mm -hmm. do whatever you got to do, you know? Um, so they bring in all these, these waivers, right? These sign, these forms to sign away my right to sue. Mm -hmm. And like, right. can we, can we do everything we need to do? Could we remove her uterus? I'm like, totally. I mean, like, what's she going to need that for at this point? <laughs> like rather right. she be alive, we can just adopt. That's fine. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, but then they brought in another form that said, listen, there is a, there is a chance she will not make this, make it through the surgery. Mm. Like just for context, all of her body parts, like all of her internal organs have shut down like her other than her heart, obviously, and other, other key things, but she's, she's essentially on life support at this point. She has no, wow. she has no kidney function, no liver function, nothing, nothing's working, nothing's operating. Yeah. Um, and she's straight up dying. Uh, she had seen her dead grandfather in the corner. Like, she's like, I see my grandpa. I'm like, bro, you shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> dead. Anyway, so like the night before, right? So anyways, I was just like, I, 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 I just have to believe that God is faithful through this. And then there was this real chance that she would not, that she wasn't going to make it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> gut yeah. punch. And, um, and then I was like, God, like, there's nothing different about the whole process. How do you want me to handle this? And then my dad brought me two egg McMuffins and I felt great. So after that, <laughs> she went, she goes into surgery and I'm like, because the initial plan and I'll shut up after this. Cause I mean, this could go on forever. Right. But the initial plan was to send her to the IWK to deal with, uh, right. to deal with some sort of very rare liver condition that they thought that she might have like a 1% chance. And I can't do anything about this. Right. This is doctor's that I'm basically trusting for this right. process, like, right. you know, and I'm, I'm praying and I'm trusting that God is going to be the one to guide these people to make this decision. And if something is going to go awry, that he's going to work behind the scenes where I can't see. Anyway, it was after that decision was made that the doctor, the other doctor came in and said, no, that plan is dumb. We're going to do surgery. And if she would have gone to the IWK, she would have died within two days. However, oh in surgery she was there for five hours and 46 minutes i get a meal and in, into me and now here's the thing the, the very like like even the ocean has the shore kind of thing not everything is like this deep crazy moment right <laughs> like not everything is the parting of the sea sometimes just eat <laughs> have right. a nap so like in that moment my dad bringing me food and forcing me to eat it not like holding me down or anything but like <laughs> dude eat this um that helped my wife goes into surgery I'm texting like my, my pastor who's praying for us and doing the prayer network for us. Um, my best friend showed up out of nowhere. Like he drove two and a half hours to show up to the hospital. I knew it, no idea he was coming at all. Wow. And um, that was God. So and there was just, there's so many different ways that God showed up that in that moment of my faith, it was the strongest I'd ever been. And it just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Like when she was in the ICU and when she was recovering at my mother-in-law's house, which was harder than the hospital, by the way, just because it's just a different environment. Nobody's right. coming in to handle, to help you. You know what I mean? Like right. you have yourselves to handle everything and everybody's going through the same grief. But through all of that, I felt like a total screw up. Keep in mind, my ideal is to maintain this image that I'm perfect and everything's okay. I can't even try and do that. Like I can do like right. a C plus maybe to my right. closest people, you know, and like that was a that feeling of not being able to maintain that same kind of strength through the aftermath of it all. God was faithful even then. And it was never him that I lacked trust in. <laughs> it was this process of like, no matter what crazy disaster is going on right now god is faithful 
So mm-hmm. anyway, thank you for asking that question. I'm sorry for going on for so long on that. No, that's okay. And yeah. again, thank you for being transparent and honest. I mean, I know you kind of hesitate to tell some things, but it's really appreciated because it makes you realize that again, you're not alone because um, we don't have to get into it either, but um, our family has experienced not the same, but um, something that was very, I guess you could say traumatizing. I don't know if there's a better word to describe that, but IWK visits, things like that, a lot wrapped into um, the pregnancy of like when my mom was having my sister. So it just makes you realize and again until someone says hey like I went through it how are other people supposed to know that they're not alone right oh 100 percent yeah so we really aloneness sorry not to cut you off there no I was just going to say we really appreciate it no thank you for that I think the more honest we are about stuff we go through the more it invites other people into this place of like not isolating themselves in the midst of what they're going through and it also cuts through the lie that everybody else has it better and everybody else has their life put together and Mm. you know like most people I know do not (laughs) like um yeah and one of the one of the things that people can go through so much in the midst of something like that is this feeling like there really isn't anybody that could get this or understand what I'm going through here. Uh, And a lot of times that's validated by the experiences they get from people who endure it or or, or endure them, I guess they they have that conversation with them and they're like, wow. Yeah. Anyway, so chilies today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's not an easy, you know, it's not, it's, it doesn't matter what it is. There's this level that you're not alone. And also this level that it's, it's okay to give life permission to not be something that everybody's going to understand from your angle. Mm. Like it's okay to not have everyone understand you fully and completely. That's hard for me as a person too, where it's like, they, like I want them to know that I have good intentions or I want them to understand what right. this has been for me or whatever. And it's like, yeah, of course you do because you want to be known mm. in a but then they're also that knownness is also terrifying. So it's, yeah. Anyway, I think the more, I think we should be honest because it helps open up so much. And it's just such a, I don't know. And I wish I could say like, I'm totally honest this way about all things all the time, but like that, I think it's, it's inviting for others to, to step into the light too. So anyway. Yeah. And and I was just going to say too, like I, you know, here we are doing this podcast and, you know, we're all imperfect, but that's what makes us perfect and all this sort of thing. And I say, oh, well, I try to be honest, but I mean, nobody is totally 100% honest with themselves or people around them. There's always this fakeness, like right down to, or having company come over, well, we better clean the house top to bottom so that nobody thinks that we live like slobs, you know, <laughs> seven days out all. of the week. <laughs> except for reality, but yeah. <laughs> right. Like that is a lie. Right. And then when people come over, I had someone come over one time actually, and she came over unexpectedly hmm. and she came upstairs and she said, can I just say, I appreciate that you have dirty dishes. I was like, what do you mean? And meanwhile, I'm feeling self-conscious about them. So it's funny. She brought it up Yeah. and she says, all those dishes piled over there. Isn't it great that we have dishes to make dirty? And I was like, yeah. And she says, it makes me know that my dirty dishes at home don't have to be cleaned when you come over. So let's just make this agreement right now. And it was just like a big, like moment for me. Cause it's so true. We all like, Oh my gosh, there's company coming. But it's such a fake front again. So nobody's totally honest, but it's like you said, it's an inviting um, kind of situation that it suggests for people to be more honest with themselves and other people. So yeah, yeah. to kind of switch the gears a little bit, can you tell us a little bit maybe about your podcast? I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, well, um, one of the things I talk about uh with podcasting is that once you get past like seven episodes you're probably going to be fine right like yep. you're probably going to last <laughs> the idea. um so I felt really good about getting past that seven episode mark but um the uh the when I started in uh probably I guess I guess I technically started in July 
2021. So around the same time frame that I'm adopting my boys, mm. um, my other three boys, uh, I'll touch on that story a little bit too, actually, just to provide some the the, the resolve. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, but anyway, uh, started the podcast because, well, the thought was. I've, I'd always wanted to start a podcast. I was inspired by podcasters like you guys who have this, you know, they have the brand, they have the thing going on. They have the, you know, they have the weekly. <laughs> we have the thing. The, they got the thing. We got the thing. We're not sure. But there is a sense of, you know, we're adding value through this audio platform. And like, I would drive from Yarmouth County all the way to Moncton on, on occasion of the listening to podcast after podcast after podcast, particularly the Carrie Newhoff leadership podcast. And that inspired me. I was like, man, I want to do that. I have things to say. Maybe I keep over oversharing and talking too much to people because I don't have a podcast. If I started <laughs> putting this somewhere. I was actually going to say, side note, that you are a really good speaker. Like you're a really good storyteller. So I can see how the podcast would fit. It must uh, suit you well. Oh yeah, it's definitely, it, it, it's become an outlet for sure. Mm. Uh, part of it too, is that I really want other people. Uh, let me, let me think about how to articulate this best. Cause I knew you were going to probably ask this, but I, <laughs> my podcast exists to help people live their best. But that month, that mindset, like when you and I met Kennedy, right. I was living my best. Mm. I was doing, I was doing it. Like I was doing everything I knew to do to be healthy, to be present. Like you, the, the thing you're mentioning too, but like coming to someone's home and feeling this space and this permission to just be like, Hey, you know what? <laughs> We're human beings. Like, yeah. this, this is us. This is who we are. Um, that's something that like the, the same summer that we came out of uh, this whole crazy traumatic experience, I picked up a book called present over perfect by Sean and Equist. And that whole idea of like, we don't, you know, we don't experience rest or presence anymore. And we don't experience rest and presence most of the time in our modern day, you know, approach to life where everything needs to be projected as this amazing story or this highlight reel. Mm -hmm. um, that's obviously magnified and concretized, if that's even a word, <laughs> by <laughs> social media and other things. And just by our community pressure, like the people that we live around to like, you know, don't be open about how you feel and whatever for whatever reason it comes to us we all are kind of born into this western slavery of mindset that says that we have to be a certain way to be lovable and acceptable yeah and otherwise we're going to be rejected and we need to be afraid of that rejection and i was so afraid of being open about my pain with people and quite frankly i didn't even know i had pain that's how out of touch of, of with it i was mm. so the podcast was something that only after years of ministry problems, issues, losses, only after years of personal family losses, only after years of just struggling with depression from the time I was eight. And I wish I could tell you that depression went away. It did not. It's mm -hmm. not that it went away. It just became managed. It, I, I, yeah, it became managed, you know. Now, now I'm stepping into this space of podcasting and I'm like, if somebody's going to listen to this, I hope they learn to live their best in Christ. Like, I hope they live this best of, of not having to be perfect, but knowing they're perfectly loved, which then frees them to live the life that God intended them to live. Mm. Like, how does, how does God actually want us to live? Like, what does he actually want from us? Because right. that's the, my thing is like, wait, God, hold on. So if you didn't want me to be perfect, what did you want from me? <laughs> you right. Know? Like, you know, if you didn't want me to be perfect in order to be lovable. What do you actually want? So the point, the point of the podcast is to communicate to specifically Christians, but non-Christians too, right? Anybody, your lovedness, your lovability mm. is actually not rooted in your performance and in the successful meeting of expectations. Your lovedness is something that is secured by Jesus. Mm. And he offers that lovedness to us as a free gift, which then trickles into our identity 
an identity formed not by pushing and striving, but by receiving and just being, just being who you are. Mm -hmm. Like I actually tell my kids, I have to tell them, particularly the ones that the the sons that I've adopted who are traumatized themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And who are going through all that stuff. I have to tell them to relax and know that I love them. Mm. Like I have to teach them that I love them, which is different than my biological son, where he was like, like I got, he got that from me all the time. My other sons who are adopted by me, they have to hear it from me all the time. And I have to be taught to, to them all the time. And they have to hear it from, they don't have to hear the words. They have to have to have it communicated to them in a way that really sets in. Mm. but it also has to be, they have to hear it all. They have to be, it has to be this repetitive rhythmic thing. And I'd like, one of the things that we do is, is give them this, not, I, I wouldn't call it a mantra per se, but this idea of like, this is what dad thinks of you. Just so you know, <laughs> this is mm. what I, think of you. I love you and I'm proud of you and I'm happy with you. Mm. And every success is something I'll celebrate with you, not require from you mm. to love you. And every failure and mistake that you make is just added to this pile of things that God willing, you learn from. But even if you don't, that it just becomes this thing that just lives in the past Mm. and it's going to stay there. And like, it's not going to affect our relationship. In fact, it might even strengthen it. And that's the kind of relationship that Jesus has made possible by dying for us on the cross. Like that's what Jesus is all about. And I know like this isn't like a Christian podcast, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to go there, you know what I mean? But like the podcast is about realizing the truth of the gospel, which is actually that God has made it possible for people mm-hmm. to be loved unconditionally and receive that love in a relationship, a two-way street in which we live as dearly loved children of God with whom he is well-pleased. And then from that foundation, we live the life that he has for us in obedience to what he's called us to do in obedience to his commandments, which when you really get down to the bones of what God wants from us is a community of love, mm. a real a community of love that is always ever inviting and generating itself to multiply. And that kind of mode of Christianity is just not what I heard most of the time. I heard it from my mom and dad. I like praise Jesus for my parents <laughs> because you know, like I didn't, like I, I was very privileged to have a family who wanted to communicate that to me. By and large, what I've experienced as a pastor is that most people do not get mm. that from the church in the West at all. In fact, the church becomes this sounding board and not just mm. a sounding board. I shouldn't say that, although it does become that in a sense, but it becomes this megaphone through which messed up narcissistic people yeah. communicate that love is conditional on you meeting not God's expectations, but my expectations with God's hat on. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so messed up and dysfunctional. And I know how messed up and dysfunctional I am. So I'm not like, Hey, you know what? <laughs> I know better. <laughs> like, but I certainly have received love from Jesus. And I wish I could say that I live in that all the time. I do hear that from him all the time. Like my relationship with God is completely revolutionized. Like when I was a teenager, part of my just depression struggle was never feeling like enough. Mm. I never felt like I was enough. And of course the the craziness that went on later in life after having my first son, I mean, great, what the heck? Now I can't even try and be enough. I can't even like, I can't even put in effort. Where, right. where's the effort? I don't know where to, I can't even make it. Because, right. because it's, just, it's just not in me to give in the same way. So I want people to receive that. I want people to live in that. I want to live in that. You know, like I want to live in rest, Mm. want to live from this place of rest, not from this place of striving and to earn rest. I want to be free from this cognitive dissonance within me that is caused by feeling like I'm not loved enough. I'm not lovable enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not necessary. I'm not helpful enough. And God is just like, dude, cut that out. Just let me love you. And then ipso facto, I will help you Mm. be what you need to be mm-hmm. because that's what I really want is what I really want is like to do life with you <laughs> and just be <laughs> Noah right you just yeah. be me and you be you you know and and anyway so there's all of that but but the bottom line is I want people to live their best in Christ I want mm-hmm. to let 
the in rest podcast be this place where people not just hear about more about God, but near, have this platform in this space in which they get to know God better and they can actually take things home with them to practice it and to get to know him in their day-to-day life. They finish up the podcast on their way, driving home from work or whatever. They turn it off and they're like, dude, I need to think about this. Jesus, like, are we cool? You know? And, and that's what I want from it. So the, my podcast, it's supposed to be weekly. It's basically every month and a half now because I'm so bad at consistency. Consistency is hard. <laughs> and you guys get it probably because y'all been weekly. Uh, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> so it's, anyway. a, it's a little easier with two sometimes. Because, Accountability. <laughs> you know, you know, Kennedy's like, oh, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I'm like, well, we better get, you know, and yeah go pick up some supper we'll be okay yeah right right (laughs) I did want to speak to what you were saying about the whole theme of your podcast and what your goal is there and society does like a a bit of a trailblazer there I mean but what a great gift that you're going to be able to show people because society does nothing but project that we're so separate you know the whole um industry of selling is is based on comparison you know you're not as good as so whoever unless you have the whatever or you know the whole separateness and and concept of lack you know that there's not enough and you better keep that for yourself and you better buy extra toilet paper during the covid crisis because you want something to wipe your butt with and who cares about your neighbor right like we're wrapping each other out and whatever i mean i wasn't but you know, it, it, to, uh, what is it, divide and conquer. So as, as a society, for sure, like, and then, as you said, you know, many people are, are raised more in the ways that you are seeing than, than the great gifts you are giving your son and, or your sons in knowing that you're going to love them no matter how many times they screw up, which, is, you know, it is a mirror uh, of what our relationship is supposed to be Mm -hmm. and that was a big yeah that was kind of an epiphany moment because as you were leading up to that explanation I was like I know where he's going with this (laughs) and it (laughs) makes so much sense it's a great way to compare it because it's hard to see it in your own life and in your relationship with God but that comparison of you and your sons that you adopted like that just made it like oh (laughs) for me (laughs) like five minutes ago like Mm. that's crazy like it it makes so much more sense when it's said like that Mm. yeah and like those those kind of moments where someone where something clicks in them and they're like oh my gosh I get it like makes sense Mm. and that I just oh I live for that like that moment of um like like one of the things that my uh like people that ask me about it too we get into we get into that thing of like what what really gets you going about that and it's like that moment of people finally clicking with with, yeah. with that ideal not to not the ideal but with that message of the gospel which is this really is good news and the reason why it's good news is because God's restorative influence in our life is affected by Jesus unconditional offer of love for his own life and then he just keeps offering it like he just opened up the door to offer more and more of his love if we're willing to trust him enough to all we need to trust him enough to do is be is be himself all we need to trust enough to do is be who he said he is be who he says he is you know um and believe him and if we believe that's it and we receive this door into that into that life but yeah my, my relationship with my sons definitely has (laughs) <laughs> helped click a lot of things for all of us yeah that <laughs> must clear it up a lot honestly and like good on you to make that connection and how that's a similar relationship like that yeah Not, so many kids don't have a relationship with one or both parents that they they can have that unconditional love and acceptance that would mirror that so yeah that's great that you're pointing that out mm. As just a last question, uh, we'd like to know what makes you imperfect. Oh, yeah, yo, I knew you were going to ask me this too. And I <laughs> Every like, person. Like, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> what makes me imperfect? I mean, like, when you ask that, do you mean like, what makes you perfectly imperfect? Like, what do you mean? 
<laughs> How are you deciphering it? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I, I know what it is. Overthinking. <laughs> what may, yeah. Well, may, honestly, that's not that far. When you when Matthew was talking about OCD, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, you're in the right room then. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Big uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, makes me imperfect is my own difficulty with accepting God's love for me. Mm. Yeah, that's makes me imperfect. That's solid and relatable. Totes. Totes is. <laughs> Totes um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what makes me imperfect. Because what that does is it leads me into insecurity there's this leader guy that you know speaks a lot about insecurity and the difference between a secure leader and an insecure leader and always aspired to be this very secure person and part of that journey of being a secure person was being willing to do have have difficult conversations and all this stuff but there's so much of my struggles with insecurity or with depression or with other things that really come out of, am I really going to believe that I'm loved? Because I can believe everything that Jesus did for me. I can believe all that. I can believe that I have a family that cares about me. I believe, I can believe that. I can believe that I have friends that love me, all that. That's great. But it's something deep core in me. That's like, am I lovable? Mm. and does it does it make its way into me and the only thing that keeps me separate from that is my pride it's my inability my my unwillingness to go there and go to that place of vulnerability and be loved be yeah. loved being that loved. damn that damn pride what the heck you know all the time everything but but the pride thing is but i don't mean that to say to devalidate the ongoing struggle of receiving love or of struggling with depression or dealing with grief i do not however my pride i don't i don't want to change i don't want to go through the adjustment that comes from i'd, I'd rather help a thousand other people realize realize that and not just know it but like have it realized in their life then change and like adjust to being a loved person because once i do then i'm probably be relatively healthy and happy somewhere in me and that's scarier that is scarier than anything i've ever been through nothing scarier than actually being loved actually letting yourself be loved that is terrifying being happy being healthy after we're going through years of mental health struggle that's terrifying mm -hmm. and i'm not the only one that still struggles with that because i mean nf is you know a music artist a christian music artist who, who explores all those themes and there's many others who do as well it's hard to just get to this place of adjusting yourself because there's this true trueness to having an unwillingness to go there an unwillingness to go to that place of being vulnerable enough to let someone else love you and be seen by them Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was oh, just going to say um, that it's that saying of we accept the love we think we deserve, right? Got it. <laughs> yeah. We believe, believe the lie, you know, that, yeah. that we're not enough or they're not, you know, we're not lovable or whatever it is. So it, it creates separateness, right? 100%. It's, mm -hmm. It creates isolation. It creates that, like, even with other other people, and even like there's this thing called depersonalization or derealization, which happens to people who struggle with anxiety and stress, where they literally are separated from themselves. Mm -hmm. Like it this this sense of disconnectedness, this sense of unloved, like the sense of believing that lie mm -hmm. leads into that mm -hmm. disconnection with even from yourself. And it's brutal. That's big too. Yeah. And yeah, I could see how that would be true. Yeah. yeah. So um, thank you again for taking the time. I know you are busy. It's a busy month for you, as you were telling us before we started. And 
Um, before we go, though, you're going to hate me for this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have something to share. <laughs> going to laugh. Hang on here. Okay. This is, this is a visual for those who are listening. Watching on YouTube. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Here we go. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know how far I had to scroll through Facebook to find this picture? <laughs> Good times. So what is the picture of, Kennedy? Why don't you narrate for us yeah. here? So for those who aren't watching, it's, uh, I don't know, circa, what year would that have been? 2013, 14, yeah. something like that? 2013. Yeah. Um, I had to scroll a long ways through Facebook to find this gem, but uh, yeah, it's Noah and I at the youth conference when we were leaders there for, I believe it was for the weekend. Yeah, it was a weekend yeah. conference about healthy relationships or something. Yeah. I think for those of you listening, I mean, this picture, it's kind of like, if you look at me at this point today, you'd see a goatee, you know, um, my teeth have been set properly because of Invisalign, you know, shout out to them, not a sponsor, not a sponsor. Um, and uh, great for them. And um, probably years of sleep deprivation as well on top of it. So I look different, but in this picture, um, I kind of look like a mix, like give me here. Okay, maybe you can agree. Okay, it looks similar a mix of like a buck tooth hick Bob Ross, also <laughs> crossed with a Muppet. It's a little bit, yeah. So um, a blonde okay. Bob Ross, I can get behind that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, the Bob Rossness of the hair. Cause like I don't know what it did. Like I didn't have product <laughs> in the hair. It just I just went at, like I, I had a lot of chlorine because I was on the swim team at the time. In this picture, it's all funny too, because I'm such a nerd in this picture. But like I was the captain of the swim team. <laughs> and, you know, I had all my dreams and stuff. <laughs> we we thought so we were fun. so cool being the leaders of that conference but were we the real nerds probably i think the expression on our face i don't know if you remember uh the joke of the weekend was you consistently going around saying vector so i think that's what you did before <laughs> this photo that's so uh yeah just wanted to throw that in as well but um how about you tell people just before we go um yeah. where they can find you uh your podcast uh you also mentioned something about a book maybe a little mm. teaser on when or what or maybe you haven't started anyway the floor is yours yeah okay cool so book first that's the easiest <laughs> writing a book but <laughs> Um, you know, publishers and stuff. Am I going to self-publish? I'm not sure. But so I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book about joy, um, uh, particularly a joy that comes in the midst of, amidst of real life, you know, a real life joy. Um, in addition, there's uh, also my podcast. You can find my podcast at In Rest Podcast with Noah James Weeb on Spotify, particularly. There's plenty of other places to find it. I mean, you know, iHeartRadio, et cetera. But Spotify is the best place to look for it. In addition, there's the inrest.insta Instagram page and inrest uh, podcast um, on Facebook as well. So I think it's facebook.com slash inrest podcast. It'll come up on the Facebook page there. Sure. I'll um, link it too with um, the episode just so people can have that as well. So it'll be in yeah, the show sure. notes. Definitely. Um, I'm also doing coaching. Like I'm stepping into that thing as a side hustle. So that's good for um, you. I can see it. Yeah. Well, like I said, like, I'd like to have a thousand people be helped to know their love before I do myself. So, I mean, might as well do that. I'm um, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, yeah, I do. I do want to use the podcast, but I also want to coach people through the process of adjusting to being loved um, and receiving that message and identify, like identifying ways to overcome depression, overcome that cognitive dissonance and find this realized secure identity of, of unconditional love. So mm. that's a coaching, um, either any way, basically through the Facebook page or through Instagram, you can actually send me a direct message through that or an inbox, uh, through Facebook, whatever would love to have a conversation through that. If, um, you're interested in coaching or just want to have a conversation about, about this, love to even schedule a zoom call with you. Heck, why not? Why not? And, uh, you know, pray with you and connect with you. It would be, it'd be awesome, but would love to also, I'm also on YouTube again, in rest podcast, pretty simple YouTube anyway. So that's there too, but um, yeah. Awesome. 
Well, thank you again. Um, it's been great catching up, let alone uh, we re really appreciate again you taking the time to be on the podcast. And uh, you and I will have to catch up over coffee or something, it seems, because well, now love... that you're living in the area, why have we not yet? <laughs> why not? What's wrong with us? I mean, other than the global pandemic thing. That was <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, totally. Let's Let's get together. We'd love to. Guys, thank you so much for having me on the imperfect podcast it is so awesome to have you guys as a connection and be so local to each other you know we should totally yeah. do something cool together yeah. somehow i don't know how we do it but you guys are awesome i love i love you or your work i love the way that you guys are coming across on so many different so many different ways and connect, covering so many different um not just industries or niches but like people who are going through things like you are connecting on such an important level and your overall message is so cool and i it's helped me so thank you so much for the value that's you're great at. to hear yeah the ministry you're doing in this so thank you for everything and thank you for having me thank, thank you. you thank you for taking the time all right god bless guys bye noah see ya bye if you or someone you know has a unique story to tell we'd love to hear from you email us at the imperfect podcast at outlook.com for more information and how to connect with us on social media you can visit us at our website, theimperfectpodcast.ca. And from whichever platform you are listening to this episode, be sure to like, share, and leave us a review. We would really appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We look forward to hearing your feedback and seeing you all find that extra joy and embrace your own imperfect. See you next week.